I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our part 2 MLS Fantasy Homebrew Systems discussion. This episode is brought to you by the other participating commissioners in the recent presidential phone call, including MLS, MLB, WWE, and of course, the UFC. Wait, no, 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 no. This is brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the amazing supporters of our Patreon group for the MLS Fantasy Insider. You guys are awesome and you rock and we can't say that enough. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com and tonight I'm joined by my partners in fantasy, Michael Denton and Blaine Riffle. How are you guys doing? Doing well. And then we have uh, a duo of guests with us tonight. We have Ian Pritchard, and we also have Josh Weber from the uh, the Twitter world. Uh, some friends that play also in the show league that we've talked about. Uh, and uh, these guys have homebrew leagues, fantasy players, and you guys are here to talk to us, talk to us tonight. So thanks so much for joining. Thank you. No problem. Happy to be here. Great. Uh, and of course, just as, as always, at the beginning of the show, I want to just mentioned that the reason we're still doing this podcast and I hope the people I know we have several hundred people who are still listening thank you so much and that's because a lot of crazy stuff is going on in the world right now with the coronavirus and, and people working from home and stresses and I know that Ian in particular is is in the healthcare field and so we're thankful to him for what what he does uh, for that and and we're doing this for you to to help give a distraction and just at least an hour or something to be able to come in, think about your mental well-being, talk about some random fantasy soccer stuff, even though soccer's not going on right now. We still have content for you because that's that's just our our way to get back to to people right now is just just mental health and some fun. So thanks for listening. And uh, guys, thanks for being here. I said that already. So that's a double thanks. <laughs> double thanks for you all. Double thanks to everybody. Thanks. You get a thanks. And you get a thanks. Welcome. There we go. There we go. Uh, all right, guys. We're here to talk about homebrew fantasy. Blaine, what kind of homebrew are you drinking tonight? Um, I'm finishing up a bottle of wine, and then I've got a black lager here. Look at that. Look at that. And he's still rocking that atrocious mustache for those of you who hey, the beard, tuned The beard is this. coming back a little bit. My wife is pushing me to grow it so it's coming back it's somehow worse uh josh <laughs> i was gonna say josh and Ian, what do you guys think of blaine's stash and his new look it was uh, an interesting development when it got dropped in our twitter chat that's what <laughs> 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 gotta lighten the mood somehow Corona, Corona, no fever <laughs> <laughs> that brain's got blaine's gone crazy with a mustache so uh I mean, the, the bad part about it is he didn't get to go out to any restaurants because of all the corona i'm pretty sure if he'd gone to a few places in kansas city they would be like oh it's on the house thank you andy appreciate you <laughs> oh that's right missed out on an opportunity opportunity all right i'm thinking it may come back for halloween i may just go with Ooh. andy reed get a get him a home's wig for lily if my wife won't kill me along special the way. special permission you, to you, to you rock know, a stash no, no, no. 
if you cannot ask for permission, that's that's an only ask for forgiveness situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but honey, think of all the free stuff. <laughs> all of the candy we can get. Yeah. Somebody will give you like an 84 ounce porter or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Ian, Josh, you guys are here tonight because we are talking homebrew fantasy systems. And I know that you guys both have a system that, that you've been involved with. And also, you guys have both been involved with the MLS Show League, which is a homebrew system that all of us have played in. And we've mentioned several times in the podcast, uh, Sean, who created it, uh, wasn't able to come out be with us. So I thought this would be a good group to talk about that some as well, since uh, it, it may be one of the more more open ones for people who are listening right now. I know Sean does have multiple leagues and does open this up to more public than some of the other closed systems that we have. So we'll talk about your games and we'll move over to the show league and just have a good time. And I'm going to ask this question first because I, I didn't remember last week and did about halfway through the show. First, for both of you, have you in the past or and or are you currently playing the official fantasy soccer game? Ian? Uh, yes, I have in the past. I am clearly not playing it right now. Of course. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I have in the past. I have not been very consistent with playing it. Uh, it's just not been my favorite league overall. But when I decide that I like it, then I like it. and I'll play for a while, and then I'll stop. Josh? Yeah, uh, I've been playing it since about 2014, I think, was the first time I stumbled upon it. Um I'd seen it advertised uh, previously, um, prior seasons. Um, your first episode you were doing on this where you were talking about the history of the game definitely was taking me back. Um, but I never really got into it because it was salary cap based. And at that age, for whatever reason, I was all about draft. And salary cap stuff just didn't appeal to me, I guess, um, for whatever reason at that time. But once I started doing uh, this homebrew draft league and we had a similar scoring system to it at first and then eventually our scoring system aligned with it, um, I definitely was playing just so there was an easier way for me to get used to what players were good and bad and the scoring and everything um, as a way of keeping up with my, you know, it was like the side piece league to my main, my main homebrew. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, it's fun. I, I, I originally, going back to what you guys talked about last week also, the, the two transfer max season and the price rise, the most you could earn in a week was like 0.1 or 0.2 million in value or lose point one and point two. So that was the kind of game I got hooked on at first because it was something unique and different, even different from the draft league. So it's like, oh, look, this is, you know, at first it's like, oh, whatever, let me just fiddle with this. And then as it gets going, you're like, oh, there's strategies of this and planning weeks in ahead and trying to see if you want to have an extra substitution that week that's going to cost you four points on the docket and see if that was going to outweigh the cost and all those types of things. Um, but I still play the game now, even though it's changed. You know, whether I like the changes or don't like the changes, I'm still going to play it now because I'm trying to support MLS and fantasy. Um, even if I didn't have a homebrew league, I think I would still, for better or worse, support what they're what they're putting out there in hopes that it's going to continue to get uh, you know better as we move forward. A truly enlightened opinion, right there. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about your homebrew then, uh, Josh. Go ahead, tell us a little bit about. Um, what got you into having a homebrew league and just a little bit about how it works. Uh, sure. Well, I have to first uh, shout out Ted, our, our founder at uh, RFK Refugees. 
Go ahead, everyone who wants to listen to a DC United centric podcast. Go ahead and give Ted and John a listen <laughs> at RFK Refugees. Um, Ted, you said the checks in the mail. Thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> he, he put out a uh, random message on Twitter. It's probably been 2013, I believe, just asking, "Hey, who wants to do this? Um, got an idea?" I think we had 15 or 16 people that responded at first. Um, some were interested, some fell off, and. Before we knew it, within a weekend, he had whipped together this. Um, I believe the league actually started the following week. So, you know, typical opening weekend fever as everybody starts to get in February. Um, well, I guess it used to be March back then. But, you know, the typical, oh, you know, you think about MLS. And then, oh, it starts next week or two weeks. Even the casuals, you know, you start, you know, the advertisements get pushed in their face and they're interested in it and everything. And we got this league together in the weekend, like I said. Um, it was weird because... If anyone's ever commissioned a fantasy league, this was the, everything not to do as far as getting a league off the <laughs> ground. I mean, I think it was like, oh, the draft's at 10 o'clock, and if you can't make it, like, okay, oh, well, you'll just join, and whenever you jump in, we'll let you make three or four picks in a row, and we'll just move on without you type of, like, random chaos anarchy at first. Oh. Um, <laughs> for good or bad. But the point is, um, of those, I think we started with 16 12 of those really did stick it out that whole season, even though it was hard. We were doing um, Excel sheets, getting email back and forth, and keeping our scores together. Um, I think each team took like an hour for us to someone to score manually, and we were doing that for all 16 teams each week. Um, it was really just two or three people doing all the legwork. Um, so I know I, I feel the pain of what the Nerd League guys were talking about last week <laughs> as far as um, wanting to pay someone allocation money to uh, do their scoring, I thought that was actually a, a genius idea. I would totally have given up a draft pick back then <laughs> for someone to just for someone to have just handled all that for us. But uh, so so Ted got us off the ground, um, and I was just a participant. Um, you know, I I didn't actually know face to face anyone that was in the league at that time. And then it was only three or four months into it, and I think we we'd lost a couple owners' interest for sure, and even Ted had lost time to keep up with it as his uh, school or workload had increased. And then I kind of jumped in. Um, I'd always kind of run the pages like an admin on the side. And then I kind of just jumped in and he turned the reins over to me as commissioner, like midway through that first season. And we slogged through the rest of that season and the following season. Um, and we almost didn't come back for the third year until um, that's, I believe that's the first year that MLS and Opta like lined up. And then the OptiSAP we were using got incorporated into the MLS Fantasy game. Hmm. And that's when we decided to go ahead and just link that up and, and scrap our old scoring system we were doing manually and just say, okay, whatever the MLSF points they get are, that's what we'll go with. Um, we would still make minor adjustments for Reed's favorite category, secondary assists, um, in case they got left out along the way, as they used to back then. Because um, it's garbage. Have a guy. <laughs> Yeah, 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 we won't go into that. But they used to have a guy, Ben Jada, for any old old right. MLS fantasy heads, remember Ben. He used to always go ahead and uh, announce stat corrections they would have. And it would sometimes be like Tuesday or Wednesday after the weekend games. They'd be like, oh, someone else just got an official secondary assist at it. And I remember having to go in and, like, fix the standings because I think one time, like, a Darlington Nagby secondary assist actually, like, swung a matchup. And it was, like, Four days after this guy won, I had to like explain to him like, no, you actually lost, and here's why. We don't have a rule to prevent this. And, um, commissioner headaches, but but the basis of our league and what we get into is we're in season eight now, um, and Ian joined our league last year, so this will be his second. Well, we get to finish this season. Will be his 
second full season with us. Um, but we're we're just like any NFL fantasy you've ever played. If it's like the default settings that you would go join on ESPN or Yahoo with your friends, it's very standard. Um, 18 team, I mean, 18 man roster. We have a 10 team league now. Um, it's we've had 10 for the last seven years. Where you know you're starting 11 guys each week, you got seven on the bench, and the the point system like we just talked about is strictly the same as MLSF um, with trades. And free agent pickups, you don't have to worry about salary caps or who, how many DP spots you have and all that. It's not that, I don't want to, I want to say nerdy, but it's not like the nerdly guys. They have it down to a much more, um, a much more nerdy niche. Science. um, As far as the rules are, which, yeah, science, which is great. I love the analytical stuff that goes into that. Um, I remember I, I talked to Harrison a few years ago and once he showed me all that went into that. I was like, I don't have time to run my league and join that, but that is awesome. Like, please keep going. Like, that's it's so cool to hear because I'm sure there's others of us out there that have leagues um, that are similar to that um, that type of setup. So, what did you find was the well? I guess besides the time, um, what's been the biggest challenge that that you face week in and week out with with this league? Um, the biggest challenge, I guess, is if you don't go ahead and write down what your bylaws are on day one, every ah. rule written down on paper, as you go through, um, you, somebody inevitably, we've had several people over the years, um, shout out my boy, RVB fit, uh, yeah. who's most notorious for this. will always try to find, even by accident, they will find loopholes in your system. Hey, had this thought, is this, is this something I can do? Can I make, you know? this player's injured can i bring him back early we have we have a couple injured reserve spots there's always types of challenges as a commissioner that goes into that type of stuff that you really just have to um you you live and learn sometimes and, and you make a decision on the spot for better or for worse and then you make sure you write that into your rules as soon as you're like oh that was an oversight but moving forward here's how it here's how it goes so we've had a couple of those hiccups along the way um but for anyone that's ever commissioned an nfl league if if or, or any any fantasy sport really if you have those rules in your head and those principles and you stick to them they apply to the soccer game just the same um so the real challenge is just finding someone to do the work who's going to do the scoring each week who's going to maintain the google docs or the emailed excel sheets or whatever it is that everyone's using to um make everything tick behind the scenes so to speak and you know, as you as you guys have all found, a lot of people are very quick, to be like, "Oh yeah, I'll play." Okay, but you need to do your own scoring each week, and it's going to take you thirty minutes. Oh, uh, I don't have that. You know, I'm busy. <laughs> that I don't have time. That kind of time. Mm-hmm. And one, but once they can, once they commit, and you you let them in the league, and they, in our case, once they draft the team, you really don't want to find someone to take over the team that they have nothing to do with mid season because the other guy, um, you know, bailed. So there's really type of a, a vetting process that goes into, you know, you don't just want to take anybody. You want to make sure, hey, have you done anything like this before? Hey, are you interested? Um, you know, are you just a casual fan? Are you a hardcore fan? All those types of uh, feeling feeling people out goes into goes into that kind of stuff. Here we go. Uh, so small small correction. I had forgotten when I first was getting this organized a couple weeks ago. I had actually asked Ian to come to the show to talk about the show league because Sean couldn't come. So so he doesn't have his own system. He's representing that system, which we several of us all 
I'll play it as well. So, same question for you now, Ian. Tell us about the show league, uh, and uh, if you can give us some of the history of evolution, you think you've been playing longer than I have in the in the league. So, if you could tell us about the history of the show league and what that is, we'll do some comparisons since you're also in both of these these leagues tonight. Yeah. So I got started with the show league back in 2014. Um, their last season of 2014. Um, it originally started as uh, I was, I'm actually not a huge MLS fan. I love soccer overall, but like MLS is probably not my primary league. Uh, a big uh, Bundesliga fan is, is what I watch the most of for sure. Um, but I'm also an Everton fan. And one of the Everton fan channels had started a MLS channel as well. And so because I was, I was, into Everton, I was following them, watching their videos. I saw that they had put out this kind of fantasy league for their MLS followers. Um, so I started up uh, back in 2014 and kind of been playing ever since. Uh, it's definitely one of the most intensive fantasy leagues that I've ever played in or has developed into that. When we first started, it was kind of pretty simplistic. You kind of put in your score prediction, you picked your players, and you were done for the most part. But over time, it has developed into one of the most, uh, if you want to be generally on average good at it, put, you know, put a lot of time into it. Uh, I know a lot of guys that are in the league do put a, a fair amount of time into playing it, um, particularly Josh as our kind of reigning continuous champion. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> so... So there's a difference, though, between the show league and the ones that we've talked about before. So with Josh, you guys are doing a draft for your players, right? Yes. So every February we have um, an annual draft. The only other thing I should have probably mentioned about our league, which is different from the ones Blaine was talking about last week, I know they were touching on it a bit, is our league is a keeper league. So every year, mm -hmm. um, every team gets to keep five players from the year before. Um, there's no penalty. There's no, oh, you keep this player at this round and the next year it moves up two rounds. There's none of that. It's just if you draft a guy and you want to keep him for his entire career, as long as he's in MLS, of course, which is a nice little hiccup um, that keeps people uh, from building too much of a dynasty because if your player is too good, he's going to leave the league probably at, and go mm -hmm. somewhere else, and then you don't quite have the dynasty you thought you had. So it's really interesting to see what your team looks like when the season ends in November then you come back around in February and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to keep these five guys or I've got six contenders for five spots. And all of a sudden you only have three or four because, you know, of attrition or people, you know, transfers in and out, long-term injuries, that type of stuff. So that's the one um, thing that I would say makes our league unique from other homebrew leagues. Uh, so I haven't found anyone that does a keeper league like ours without a penalty for keeping the players um, season over season. Right, because the Nerd League had more of a budget-based system, and then you could only have them for, I believe it was three three years, and then they rotated mm -hmm. back in. Um, the Blaine, your Facebook league has has the draft every year, but the Show League, Ian, now that's, that's different. It has a sort of daily, weekly, a weekly-type fantasy feel, but how does that player selection go each week? Yeah, so in the show league, unlike your kind of traditional fantasy, honestly, it's it's kind of almost more matching some of the MLS fantasy style where you're actually picking your players for each individual game every single week. 
So depending on where you are in the league, you are picking a certain number of matchups every single week. So in the Premier League, which is the highest tier, generally you're picking uh, three or more matches every single week. And so what you do is you pick one match out of the available MLS slate. You predict a score for that match, and then you pick three players from that game. And then of the players that you are picking, you can select certain roles. So some of the obvious roles are things like poachers and playmakers, where you're hoping that your poacher scores. And if you do, if he does, he scores a lot more points for you. And if he doesn't, you're penalized for it. Um, and then your playmakers, you're kind of hoping for a high pass percentage, um, some assists, things like that, that are going into that role. And you also have some more complicated roles some things like target man and false 10, which are really kind of rely on some really nitpicky stats, things like uh, headed passes, aerials attempted, uh, touches in the box. Um, and so that's where the time kind of intensive parts is trying to figure out which player in the league kind of is the best at each of those individual stats. And so ultimately your goal is to score the most points out of the your prediction plus the three players that you have. And you're also given over the course of the season four wild cards to use. Um, and so you can kind of pick and choose when you want to play those. And so in the show league, we have a season long competition where your goal is to score the most points over the course of the entire uh, either MLS season. We've done it a couple different ways where it's been kind of season long it's been broken up into different chunks where we've tried to fit two or three seasons into one MLS season. Um, but then in addition to that, we have cup competitions. So amongst all the players in the multiple tiers of the league, um, we have one big cup uh, that we have a couple other kind of major competitions as well, including like a champions league style event where you're looking at the winners of all the other cups. And then also within the show league, you can select the same player multiple times. Correct. So you can go for a 2x or a 3x, hoping that if they score multiple goals or get multiple assists, then you can score a huge number of points in one go from just selecting that player. Um, so definitely some of your biggest hauls come from selecting three player or, you know, a player, same player three times and then getting, th you know, a hat trick and you're set for that game. But it's also pretty risky because if they don't do anything, then you've wasted every single spot that you have. So I'll turn this over to Blaine and Mike real quick before I ask my next question. Make sure you guys get uh, get some talking time. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll ask Josh some because I asked uh, this last week. Uh, Josh, how does your league handle uh, double game weeks and international breaks? So let me take that in two parts. We treat double game weeks just as a regular week. So our official principle is our game week runs from uh, Tuesday well, it used to be Tuesday through Monday. Um, and then I think one year with 4th of July, we actually had a Monday game. So we adjusted it to Monday through Sunday. Um, so pretty much the game week starts on a Monday. If for some reason there were games scheduled on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, et cetera, all the way through that following Sunday, all that would be counted as one game week. Um, so if the guy has double game week, obviously he's getting points for both games. And the only thing we've done with international weeks are we will tend to make that a two week, two full week window. So if that starts on a Monday, if there's four games on Wednesday of that week, those four games will count. And then if they're shutting down for the weekend, when we come back the following week, those weekends, say a full slate of 11 or 12 games will also be rolled in. So we will actually 
freeze the rosters, no no waivers or trades or anything. Once those first set of the Wednesday games kick off, we will count those games, and then everything will just kind of be idle through the nine, ten day international period. When we come back, um, those that following weekend with the full slate, those games and points will also count towards the ones of a handful of games from before, and that'll all count towards one score um, to be tallied up for that week. And the trick, the only trick with that is, um, in recent years, as MLS has been adjusting their calendar, you know, it used to go into December, then last year it ended super early. Um, there always seems to be one international week at the end of the season that interferes with our playoffs. So for a few years in the early going, there was still, I think, six or seven games going on. There's a lot of teams playing on that week, so we included it with the playoff scores because it was most teams playing, not a lot of bye weeks. In the last couple years, there has I think the last two seasons, there has been just three games on that week. And one of the times it was falling on the week after the regular season, but before our playoffs started. So we've actually just skipped that week um, the last years completely, which is weird because we've always had like every game counts. You know, if it doesn't count in the old week, it'll go forward to the next week. Like somehow there's no game played that doesn't matter. But with it falling right in between the end of the season and before the playoffs, we just thought it was easiest to not have some team in wildcard weekend where it's a knockout style, having any player that could possibly play two games, especially when there's a nine-day gap in between the games. Um, so I think it's like the first week in September, that international window. We've, we generally skip those. Um, but then other things we'll do to balance it out is like 4th of July is always a heavy week. You know, teams – a lot of teams have a 4th of July game or the day before or after 4th of July, that weekend, all, you know. So that, if it's midweek, we will shut that down and say, okay, this is a full game week. So we're having, you know, you'll get either two wins or two losses or a win and a loss. There's two games being recorded in the standings that week. The Wednesday games are going to be a whole game. Then we'll stop, reset the document, clear everything out, do another waiver process, and then open up, you know, first come, first serve waivers on that Friday ahead of the weekend games, but we'll, we'll go again. Gotcha. So you do. If you have, you just happen to draft teams that have double game weeks. That team will have an advantage because I think that's different than one of the leagues we heard they, from last week. They will. Um, most most of the people in our league over time, as like I said, you get that February excitement. And you find out you're having a a draft via Facebook Messenger that's going to last you four or five days, and you're trying to figure out who you're going to pick in the 11th or 12th round. Most people aren't even thinking about, hey, let me look at week 35 and see who plays twice. <laughs> Um, and, and for two of those years, and I, I don't, I, I don't think this is a coincidence at all, but for two years in a row, when that was an issue, there was one team that had a double game week in week 35 for our championship match. And it was Chivas USA both seasons. And I would <laughs> say to them, if you want to pick up a Chivas player and hold him all season, just cause he might play twice, go for it. Cause you're not <laughs> making the championship game anyway. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. But now, but now with decision day, that last week, you know, every team has um, not only just one game that last week, but it's kickoffs are happening at the same time or East goes once and then the Western Conference follows. So decision day at the end of the season, now that they're trying to make that a thing, has actually really increased just how exciting our championship game mm -hmm. has become each season. Um, because there's none of this, oh, well, this guy played Friday, let me switch my Sunday player because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take more risk with my – you know, I have a guy with the late Sunday game. There's none of that. Everyone's kicking off at once and just pick your 11 and roll the dice and see who comes out on top. 
One of the other nice things that Josh's league does for international breaks is allowing you to put players on IR for the international breaks. So if you have mm. a large number of players that are all going, you know, away for the break, you're at least not completely pointless for that week. Um, so you have a little bit of flexibility to get some pickups um, during that kind of time period. Nice. That is really nice. I was going to say, Josh, I was going to yeah. follow up with that. As a com another commissioner, I know MLS schedule gets a little crazy. If it was ever possible that a team would play three times over that two-week interval for an international break, would you count all three scores? We haven't come across that. Um, we wouldn't. Well, at least I don't think I would. I'm against, I'm against triple game weeks. It was one season, and I believe it included that random international break in September I was talking about where Montreal Impact had a game rescheduled from one of their CCL runs in the spring, so it got pushed way later in the season where they had a double game week, and then that following week they were one of the few teams playing during the international window um, where they actually had three uh, games. But because that was also our playoffs, we only had six of the ten teams alive, and actually two teams had a bye. So it was only four of our ten teams playing that weekend. None of the four teams had Montreal players, so it didn't become – I'm an issue. But in that case, I believe I would propose that you would just take, you know, if, you, if you're going to count two scores, you know, pick, pick the best two. Um, if you want to add a Montreal player at your own risk and take, you know, three bites at the apple, um, you know, as long as everyone's playing by the same rules, I don't see a problem with it. Uh, fundamentally, though, I would be against it. Um, I'm okay with the, with the double game week. Um, in other sports, if for anyone out there that plays fantasy, hockey or fantasy basketball god bless you that's a lot to keep up with we won't even get into baseball oh my but, gosh you know, those teams off, often have unbalanced schedules anyway <laughs> where they're they're scoring based on a seven-day period or a 14-day period and you know you see a lot of guys where oh well, i'm gonna drop this guy that only has three games this week and pick up this guy who has five and if you just load up your schedule right just by you know being smarter than your opponent it doesn't matter who you're playing really mm -hmm. um, they could be worse or players but you will beat them on a cumulative point basis just because you were crafty enough to look at the schedule. So we try to um, avoid having anything like that happen, but there are scenarios where, you know, when you look at some of those, we used to have 10 or 12 game double game weeks sometimes on the Wednesday when they're mm -hmm. trying to pack all those games in there. And at that point, everyone's going to have, you know, a lineup full of guys that have a double game week. Mm -hmm. And it still comes down to the quality of player. If I have a double, if I only have three double game week players, but they're Valeri and Vela and Pozuelo, and you have six double game week players or seven, but it's like your goalie and a couple defenders you picked up off the scrap heap. I mean, I'm probably going to beat you anyway just because I have a better team and you're scraping by. Although, because we have a keeper system where eventually you will see some teams build a dynasty and some teams have to go into rebuild mode, we don't, we don't want to take away the chance in a one-off scenario each week over week where that underdog can beat the the better paper tiger so if you want to go ahead and pick up 11 guys on a double game week and drop half your roster to make it happen on the chance that you can get one win in the standings for three points go for it like that's the beauty of the game you know you can play mm -hmm. it however you want to play it um you know some teams are very clingy to their top you know two-thirds of the roster they don't want to lose you know dp players guaranteed starters guys that are keepers guys they have year over year that they just like um you know, some teams like to try to get the same goalie or the same defender season over season just because they'd like to root for them. Um, and then other teams are not shy about slashing, you know, 
seven, eight guys off the roster each week and adding new guys and just playing the matchups. And um, we did have a guy one year who on paper probably had one of the two or three worst teams uh, after the draft. He only had three keepers. Um, another thing about our league is our keeper spots are tradable assets, hmm. um, just like our draft picks. So some teams don't, you know, you can keep five, but some teams will trade those assets to try to move up and get higher picks in the first round and such. So this guy only had three keepers, and yet he was able to play the waiver wire and the mm-hmm. allocation order like nobody's a business, and he just looked at everything. He wasn't trying to build star players into next year. He was just trying to win that season. And he actually finished first place um, over our 27-week uh, regular season just from working that waiver wire week over week, um, making the right captain choices uh, and such. And he was able to, um, you know, you look at his team, you're like, oh, like, I, you know, just very opportunistic approach to uh, to playing our game. So, so that's similar to some of the other systems where it's a little bit more closed, a little bit more restricting what you can do week to week, though I do like that like international reserve uh mechanic that's really cool yeah and, and what that started out as was just as a spot for injured players mm-hmm. so if you have a couple guys that are injured here's two ir spots a lot of football leagues very common to have an injury spot or two if a guy's out with a you know a long-term injury or even a short-term injury as long as they're designated out you can put them on ir and replace them on your roster so that was the same thing and then with international breaks come around, you're, you're missing a couple players. And, you know, we had a scenario where some guys only could field nine or 10, and it just made sense to go ahead and give them that, that budget, that uh, sure. not budget, sorry, that, that roster um, exemptions to go ahead and move players from national team duty mm-hmm. on over, especially with all different competitions that it's not just Americans where it's gold cup, but then you have so many internationals in MLS where they have Copa Centenarios and they have their own um, national team qualifiers and friendlies and, you know, any other tournament that can make CONCACAF some money, you know, these guys are flying away for. So <laughs> so you've got that side. Then, Ian, you're playing in both of these leagues with, with Show League and with the Official Fantasy game. There's a lot of flexibility where it changes week to week. How do you find your your interest is maintained going back and forth between this the more closed system of having to plan out your trades uh, versus just having the freedom to to change things every week with show league and the official game. So I actually find that my interest uh, is peaked by having the kind of that competition, having to pay attention to stuff mm-hmm. on a regular basis. So one of the things why I've kind of lost a little bit of interest in the official game is the amount of flexibility and being able to change stuff so often, um, kind of just distance myself a bit from it to some Mm. degree whereas with the show league i had to be so detail oriented in what i was doing in order to be you know making sure i was picking the right guys every single week instead of just captaining Vela last year the entire year um and then with josh's league having to kind of really plan out who i can work with to kind of get trades and kind of uh think you know a couple years in advance on what i have to do because one of the big reasons that got me interested in it I think one of the other big things is for me, the show league and Josh's league are big kind of community based. So we Mm -hmm. have a really good group of guys who play both of those games. It really gets me into talking about it and kind of communicating with them on a regular basis. And so kind of having those discussions and kind of being involved in that sense of community about the leagues keeps me into it as compared to the show, like the official game. I just don't have that same sense of community as much. 
because uh, a lot of the same guys that uh, I'm in the show league with or in Josh's league, they may be playing the official game, but we're not necessarily talking about it in that same same context. Um, so for me, I just really kind of get into that community aspect and then um, kind of the very detail-oriented as part of it. No, that's a fantastic point because I do think that's, that is a, a key element and Blaine, you could probably speak to this very well, being involved with the Facebook one, that those communities are are the key element that uh, all of the, these homebrew leagues have had. And and I think that's, that's the biggest um, pro that, that my project's been here with Fantasy Boss and with the Patreon community, with MLSFI. Mm-hmm. It's like we built communities, and that's what's kept the podcast going. That's what's kept the website going and, and the Reddit and all that. And now the Discord, like that's where the hub has been. And you're absolutely right. That has definitely been uh, lacking from the official game. Uh, you mean, you could have your head-to-heads, but it's it's hard to sometimes make them. They're usually head-to-heads built from communities than necessarily created there. Uh, Blaine, you want to talk more about that? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say this. that's a hugely accurate and a pretty important point that I think MLS should take a look at too is the community side of this because I I have to say without this podcast I would not still be playing the main game as as strongly as I am now I wouldn't be invested nearly as much and this podcast has helped me stay invested Um, I know there have been a couple of times because I'm not as fully invested in this in the MLS game I've been tempted to throw my week in order to win a head-to-head that was based on the game. We just had a league running, but we had a Facebook group, and I got invited to what started as a Cascadia group. Why a sporting fan was allowed into a Cascadia league, I will never understand. (laughs) But I had a vested interest in beating up on the Cascadia players as much as I could, and it was fun to be the outsider in there. But I was tempted to, against better judgment, sacrifice my overall team to go for that head-to-head win because I knew my opponent and it was a game I really wanted to win and I knew if I could outpick him on differentials it was it was huge and and I and I found myself I still find myself wondering should I sacrifice my overall ranking to go with one of these groups we have whether it's the show league league or the MLSFI head-to-head league or the tacos league that I was playing in um I I've always gravitated towards the groups and that's where my homebrew league comes in. Um, We've got 36 players this year and we're all in a Facebook group together. We all trash talk a little bit. We all kind of go back and forth and discuss different things. But in my league, I know all of those guys. I've interacted with them in discussion forums and in this game. And it's just, it is that sense of community that really keeps me involved in all of it. And it's the same with show league. It's the same with all these leagues I play in. It's the community aspect. And I can't say enough about our, our listeners and the Reddit community and the Twitter community that's out there. Like that's, what's kept me playing as much as I have over these last few years. It's knowing that there's people out there that are interested and invested that I can talk to. And I mean, on a personal level, I went through the thing with Lily being born prematurely and I did several of these shows from her hospital room and just knowing that I had support out there that people that people cared and were willing to listen I mean it was just there there's something bigger about the fantasy game and building a community than just playing a game on the website and that's what's kept me involved for so long 
and that's what I think is a huge part of all the homebrew leagues. Like, I'd love to play in a keeper league. I just haven't found one in my league. Isn't a keeper league. I think it's fun to play that style, but it's just it's all about getting to know the groups. And sometimes I want to join other leagues, but sometimes I know I'm going to be the outsider, and that's just not as appealing to come in as the new guy all the time, because it's nice just to know who you're playing against, and you get to know their trade habits and their quirks, and really and really just dig in. Like, I know if I draft certain players, I've got another guy in the league who's going to overpay to get them back because I took one of their favorite <laughs> players. Like, there, there's, there's, so, there's so much joy in being able to work the game and picking on players that you know will overpay for certain, or for certain returns. It's just, it, that's part of the joy of the fantasy communities as a whole. Yeah, and if I can piggyback on what Blaine and Ian were just talking about too, with that sense of community there, is I think it all comes down to really what you prioritize. So for me, I prioritized the Homebrew League and Show League and didn't really um, prioritize MLSF Fantasy as much at first. That was just a way to see what the scores were for my players. Because a lot of people, if they finished you know, in the top 10 for the week, they might put a tweet out about it and tell their friends and be really excited about it. If I happen to finish in top 10 for a week, I might be like, oh, how'd that happen? Was that an accident? Because I'm not putting as much effort into that. My priority lies with, did I win my weekly matchup in my fantasy league? You know, did, did I win a trophy in show league? Because if I, if I did badly in those leagues, I'm going to hear about it from my community. I'm going to get trash talked to. I'm going to get made fun of. You know, my phone is going to blow up if I don't perform in those leagues because that's what I put <laughs> all my energy and priority into. Whereas on the other side, if I finished outside the top 200 for the week or even the season in the MLS game, who's really going to know about it? Because I don't, I mean, some weeks I don't even check and see what my ranking is. I know, I mean, I know it's up there. I usually, you know, I'm up there in the top 500 or so when I'm putting effort into it. And for a while there, I was running with the top 100 or so, but it still didn't mean as much to me. Um, and, you know, you guys have touched on all this stuff. Is that because there's not weekly prizes? Is that because there's nothing keeping you um, invested in how you're doing weekly and it's all focused on the season-long aspect of, you know, it's a long play? You know, we, we've, we've talked about all those, all that stuff before, but it really comes down to just what you prioritize. But nothing can replace that sense of community. And I'm sure if we had Ben on here or someone from MLS, they would say, oh, you know, we do have the ability to create your own league out there in the MLS game, and there is a way to, to create that sense of community. But if you've already got it elsewhere, um, I don't know, some, sometimes it's, it's hard to transition back or, you know, you, you can't have too many communities or, I don't know. Um, for, for me, it's just, it just seems like some people, it's just, it's whatever matters to you most. And if, if that's not what you prioritize, then it's never going to take that next step, um, which is why I'm so team draft when it comes to this type of stuff, because that salary cap game, while it will pull casuals in, I also think it will keep casuals casual. But you need that season-long grind of a draft league over a 27 or 34-week season, however long, you, however you set it up, that will really make you emotionally invested week in and week out. Because you can look at standings that have points. Americans, we love we love grids and standings. These are the things that we can speak to. If I see I'm in the top 200 out of 20,000, that really doesn't tell me as much as it will if I can look and see I'm in second place out of 10. And I'm, you know, currently sitting in a first round bye and there's five weeks to go in the season. And, you know, now I know all I need to focus for the next month. I don't want to fall out of that, that playoff bye. And 
I just think we're so geared, whether it's because we've been playing NFL fantasy for the last couple of decades. Um, but that, that's just how that's just how we think. Well, you're sort of jumping into my my next question, and that was, what do well, the leagues? You, no, no, you're fine. What do the leagues that you guys represent offer? Like, what could MLS learn from your league? So, I'm I'm taking I'm taking community off the table. So, is is draft what you'd like to offer? That's that's definitely what I would like to offer. I, I've been team draft. Um, once I found that MLS was even doing fantasy back in 2012 or 2013, I was surprised that it wasn't um, any type of draft function. Um, I'm still surprised now there's no website out there that's come up with a way to make draft a thing, um, at least in MLS. I know, it, I, I believe, uh, I don't know, is Playtoga still a thing? I know they were doing EPL draft for a while. Um, I don't know if there's any other sites out there. For the European soccer, I don't follow it as closely um, when it comes to fantasy. But EPL yeah, has a draft I, element to it. Like they they kind of run concurrent now. They have the season long and they have a draft. I've never done their draft system though, so I don't know anything about it. Yeah, yeah. I just think that I mean everybody knows someone that plays NFL fantasy, and um, like it or not, that's the that's the sport that Americans kind of gravitate to every fall. And a lot of MLS owners are also NFL owners, and MLS was set up the same way. <laughs> so it only makes sense that eventually. The fantasy league will get set up the same way, and um, you know, people like, you know, setting the lineup and sitting there on the weekend and seeing how their team performs every Sunday. They would do the same thing for MLS teams on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday kick, um, with the ability to make trades and trading draft picks and all that stuff. That's just that's what we speak to in Americans. I know, you know, people from Europe and other places like, you know, what's the super draft and all that. It doesn't speak to them, but that just speaks. Um, that just speaks to our culture. <laughs> But I don't know how much the super draft should really speak to, to a culture <laughs> over here. Uh, perfect timing because Josh just just dropped. So, uh, uh, Ian, same question to you. What does Show League offer that you think MLS could most benefit by for the official game? Um, I mean, obviously, I already touched on the community part, but I think the the biggest part from all this conversation is that there are different levels of players. Um, and everybody's kind of wanting to do something a little bit different with what they're doing. And that's why people make these homebrew, le- homebrew leagues, uh, just because they want something a little bit different. And so I think when, you know, EPL offers the draft plus the regular season, they're trying to, you know, create an audience for both types of players. Um, and, you know, for some people, they may really get into, I want to finish number one out of six million in the, you know, in the Premier League. Or, you know, number one out of 20-odd thousand in MLS. That, you know, that may be the most important thing to them. But for a lot of people, it could very well be, I, you know, I want to finish the best out of my group. And I think one of the things about, you know, the Premier League fantasy is by having both of those options. You know, for a lot of people, if you, you know, are into the draft and you have a draft team, it's not that much more effort to kind of look at your regular fantasy too. Um, and so if you're paying attention to both of those things, then, you know, you're going to stay invested in it. Um and so, like, I think it, the same is true with our show league group. Uh, we have different levels of players. We have some people who are really invested in kind of spending a lot of time. Um, we use all the Opta scoring, and so we use who scored to kind of generate all of our data. And so we have some players that have created, like, massive Excel spreadsheets um, and doing a lot of data scraping to try and kind of figure out who is that best player. And then other people are just kind of using their gut instincts and saying, well, you know, I think this is the week that this team does really well. Um, and they're putting – Say again, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we have some players that, you know, put the feelers out to everybody else to figure out what they're doing too. Um, 
So, you know, there's, there's different levels of players for, for any sport. And I think that's one of the things that's really attractive about Show League is that you can do well uh, with minimal investment and some gut instinct, but you can also do well if you put a lot of effort in and your goal is to kind of finish number one overall. Um, but at the same time, it's still fun. The community's there. And so even if you're not, you know, winning every single week or getting as many points as you want, you can still have that sense of community about it. Uh, so there might be some weird pop-ups coming up on the screens right now for people, and that's because I had locked the room after we started to prevent Zoom hackers from jumping in on us, and now Josh is trying to get back in, and I'm uh, trying to make that... make that. Hey, there we go. It worked. It worked. So there was uh, <laughs> there was that. Um, I think the other <clears throat> last thing I'd say is that, you know, that, that sense of community, like, builds the game. You know, I kind of mentioned that I've not been the biggest MLS fan, but the reason I'm into MLS is because of knowing all of you guys in the show league chat and kind of getting invested in that game. And now I moved to an area that was away from most of my friends and family. And so now living in the DC area, I've met a bunch of the people, uh, we've gone to games together. Um, and so that kind of keeps me invested in paying attention to MLS. Yeah. Um, and so that's been like, one of the big reasons I actually still pay attention to it, because if not, I probably wouldn't pay nearly as much attention. And there well, is some Chicago Fire fan. You certainly need a reason. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there is some overlap in a lot of this. Like I know uh, Jason Hicks, who I think is with us right now in chat. Uh, he'll send me messages from time to time about his draft league, um, like asking me for recommendations, and and I'm not in it, so I don't know mm -hmm. the ins and outs with what's going on or what systems he's in. But there are some things that overlap. Uh, now that you're back, Josh, question for you and and Ian because I asked this last week, so Blaine and Mike know. As far as draft goes, do you think that the biggest hindrance to draft is until maybe now we didn't really have the number of quality players from the limited teams to really allow for a robust draft. I mean, what I'm getting at that is, like, if you wanted to have a draft league of 10 or 12 guys, did you have that amount of quality players who you could rely on for consistency and good point generation without having to get too far down to the MLS depth chart during a draft where you just felt like you had trash on your team? Um... I think there's definitely something to that with casuals as far as, I mean, the draft game when MLS decides, and I say when because it's only, it, it will happen eventually um, even if we have to wait longer than we want to. It will come, you know, like anything, it takes time to grow it and it's not it's not overnight, it's a slow build. Um, so it will still, you know, it will get there over time. I think the fact that there's more recognizable names coming into the league, that certainly would help that grow. But I still look at every team, I mean, most teams you still have you, know, you have your main striker or two. You've got an exciting attacking midfielder. You've got an exciting winger. So no matter how bad the talent is over the history of MLS, you still can generally look at a starting lineup and say, okay, who's going to score goals today? Well, let me let me take the striker. Let me find who's wearing number nine, right? Let me find who's wearing number ten. Let me find the winger that looks fast. Okay, these three guys look. I mean, so no matter how bad the talent is, you still can look at each team and find three or four players that you know if someone's scoring a goal on that team these are the guys who are going to generate those fantasy points. If that team has a good defense or a good goalie, you can still look and be like, well, you know, MLS hasn't had great talent over the years, but American goalkeepers have always, you know, that's something we do well in this country is producing goalkeepers historically. So you can usually look around and find an American who's going to get you a clean sheet or two. Um, you can find a tall center back who's going to rack up some aerial clearances and headers, uh, those types of things. 
So I don't think it hurts at all that we now have these big um, superstar players coming into the league. Not that we didn't before sure, back when sure. Beckham started that wave, but even more so now, um, whether you want to call it because of the TAM or the GAM or whatever is bringing um, those players in now, it, it certainly wouldn't help to speed it up a little um, as far as growing the appeal of it because there are more players. And those players, I would say, are not just capable of scoring, hey, I might get a goal or two, but they could get they could get a hat trick plus an assist. I mean, some of these guys, um, I think it's because of all the money that we talk about the Tama game is going towards the attacking talent and not so much on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. You're seeing that um, that unbalance. But who doesn't love scoring? I mean, the uh, I'm not a big hockey guy anymore. When I used to be, once the, once they right. came away from their second strike and scoring increased because they changed the rules that made it more friendly to have more games that would be 5-2 or 5-3 instead of 2 nothing or 3-1, to one. Um, you know, who doesn't, who wants to come and see, not everyone sees the beauty in a one nothing soccer game compared to one where you can come and you see it's three to one or four to one. And, you know, that's, uh, that's what you, that's what you paid your admission ticket for. So. Uh, to me, I don't think that's been a, I would think of that as a big barrier. Um, I think for with pretty much every fantasy or league out there, um, in any sport, there's always that kind of top tier player. Um, that a certain number of people are going to get, you know, those types of players. And then you really, the bulk of your team are going to be trying to find those above average players or playing the matchups when it comes to draft. Um, So I took the plunge and did NBA fantasy this year for the first time. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to get like a James Harden, who's like one of the best NBA fantasy players. But the reason that I ended up being successful overall is I got a bunch of really good kind of mid tier players that were scoring me a bunch of points every Mm -hmm. single week. Um, and I didn't have a bunch of those kind of bottom tier that, you know, just didn't bulk up, you know, I guess fill up my roster. And I think that's kind of the same is same as true, no matter what league or talent level that you're dealing with. If there was one, you know, David Beckham type superstar, and that was it in MLS, um, you're still having to fill up the, everyone else, you know, one person has that and everyone else has to fill up their league or their team with a bunch of average players. And so you got to find the best average players in that. I guess what people really want now is is like fantasy NCAA. Is that is that the itch that's not being scratched as far as basketball goes? I mean, maybe maybe that's just the region I'm from that that's the that's the fantasy basketball people would would tap into. I'm sure there's so laws about that. Heavily missing. I'm from North Carolina. I'm a big Duke ah. fan. Um, so I, I was missing out this year, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Ian thinks his team would be playing tonight or something. You know. Likely. I mean, we're it's guaranteed, I think, actually, that we would have been playing tonight. Um, well, I mean, yeah, that's because, I mean, half, most of Duke is on the Pelicans now, so I mean, we probably have more than that game. <laughs> <laughs> I we was don't. Uh, quite disappointed. I wanted to go see the Pelicans play the Wizards this year, and uh, mm-hmm. they should be playing, or they should have been played like three days ago, and clearly I uh, did not happen to see that. One of the uh, fun videos I've been seeing online, but people have been staying healthy at home here in Kentucky and and uh, rewatching sports moments is for some reason, and I don't know why parents are doing this to their children, is is parents have been replaying the the Duke Kentucky game with with Christian Leitner and and just recording their children's heartbreak, and I find it cruel and unnecessary and I, I, I a moment not to relive not to relive 
I, uh, I got a lot of great enjoyment out of those videos. <laughs> I'm they, sure. uh, I'm I think sure. CBS Sports Network replayed the uh, Duke Maryland uh, Final Four game from 2001. I'm sure Josh remembers it well. Baxter was fouled. <laughs> but we, my shoulders. we we tangent. Ian, we, Ian we knows tangent. what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we tangent. Uh, one thing I will pick up that you had mentioned, Ian, uh, going back with Show League and. Mike and Blaine, see if you guys agree with this. Uh, Mike has often said that he, and I'm slowly coming around to this side as well, that um, he believes the game can be as complicated as it needs to be, and as long as the rules are clear and, ex- and explained, that people will understand and play in it, and it doesn't matter. Uh, and something I like about the show league that I thought potentially could could carry over is if you keep that multiple transfers having more options of how you use those players gives you the diversity, but it still makes things uh, fun. As in, with the show league, not everyone's necessarily locked into a position. You have roles that people could play. So instead of mm-hmm. with fantasy, we if we brought over that role system, unless you're a forward, you can only be a forward, but like, okay, you, you are Zlatan, and I'm going to give you a role that's not just... Which would be stupid, based on how that that role worked out last year. But um, you're you're Jossie Zardes. I'm going to give you a different role than just the the target man, or or just or just something else, or just the playmaker. Um, but if if you could have more variety in how you used your players instead of just you're a forward, you're at the forward spot. There you are. That that could be a fun lesson to take from from show league to MLS where you could start adding in layers of complexity, but it still remains approachable by a casual fan. But yet, mm-hmm. as you guys were talking about, those people who want to dig in more to find out how to min-max the stats from the different roles. Uh, that that and even, and even situationally with MLS Fantasy, if you could even move someone between forward and midfielder, knowing how they might line up against a different opponent might be able to help you take advantage of a more passing or assist-focused game from a player than necessarily a more target-focused player. Uh, those could be some levels that that could be fun to add in, and maybe by gosh, golly, we could have defensive midfielders actually be worth something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that uh, flexibility in the game is always kind of nice. Um, to some degree, I guess the the biggest downside right now is maybe the MLS league is or the you know main fantasy game is a little bit too flexible. Um, definitely one of the nice parts about the show league is that you can assign those different roles and different players can do different things for you, depending on what you want to do. Um, you're, you're given a certain number of roles every single week. So one of our better roles is the target man. Um, it's one of kind of the most consistent point getters out there and, but you're only allowed one of those. So it's not like every single player on your team can be a target man. Uh, you have to kind of assign one. And so if you want to use Latan as a target man, which he's great at, you know, you've got one shot at it. And so for you may have some other players that could be really good target men, but you've got to pick something else for them later down the road. Um, so I, I definitely think that kind of, you know, game week variability and kind of, but also restriction is nice. Um, one of the things uh, I said, I've, I like the Bundesliga a lot. I play the regular mm-hmm. season Bundesliga fantasy. Yeah. One of the things that I really like about it is that you have this, you have a structured roster. Uh, you're allowed three changes or three transfers every single week, but then you have game week variability in the fact that 
you are allowed to move your players in and out. So unlike the Premier League Fantasy, they don't lock in. Uh, you're also able to change what's effectively your captain um, from your different players uh, throughout the game week. So if one player doesn't do really well, well, that's a big bummer, but you can just either take him out of your starting 11 or you can move your star man, which is their captain, to another player. So you have that kind of mix of some people can just set a team and deal with it, and then other people can have that you know ability to play a lot into how much do I want to kind of pay attention to it. Don't they have star roles for each of the three field slots as well where they get some bit of a bump? They do. So you get a star yeah. defender, a star midfielder, and a star um, forward. Yeah. And uh, one so of the things cool. that's kind of nice, I've never really understood this about MLS Fantasy, where defenders score less points for goals. Um, I get like, you know, they may be more likely to get some kind of defending bonus points and stuff. But in the Bundesliga Fantasy, defenders kind of get more points for attacking stuff. So you earn a lot more points when your defenders do good attacking stuff. So you're really incentivized to find those kind of wing backs that are getting forward, kind of getting assists, getting goals, and things like that. Yeah, the defenders Ian, do get more points for goals. I, I think, but six, none, none of the rest yeah, of the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ian, I think you're, I think you're hitting on what what I said last week, and I'll say it again just to get it out there. And I hope James will pick up on it, or Ben will listen and pick up on it. That I'd love to see the. MLS fantasy scoring rubric broken out a lot better instead of being a threshold system Four interceptions is a point and everything. I'd rather see every interception be 0.25 points. That way, if you hit five or six, you get, you get the benefit of those same with passing, same with every stat on the list, because then you start getting fractional points and those aren't as clean and aren't as easy to display at times, but you get, you get rewarded for everything your player does. And the example I gave last week is like a wing back that gets a couple of attacking points or a couple of bonus points and an assist gets six points and a defender that gets a clean sheet and a yellow card and plays 90 minutes gets um, six points. Like there's, there's a huge difference between a defender getting a clean sheet and a yellow card versus an attacking player who gets a couple of bonus points or a bonus point and an assist. And it would be really nice to see that broken out. And I know show league does the different scoring by roles, which I don't think the way MLS is set up, it could use, but a more robust scoring system would definitely break some of the deadlock we see in there and add some spice and give some variety to your players because it's crazy when you're, when you start, we start picking teams based on clean sheets because we know they're going to get so many points and we think that's the best chance at getting points. It would be so much nicer to say, Hey, I don't care if DC gives up a goal. Um, Briant is a great defender and he's going to be involved. He's going to get me four or five, four or five points, regardless of whether he gets the clean sheet. And I don't, I'm not just hunting the clean sheet to get those extra points. Let's break them out and get, get a little bit more variety in the player scores and then you then managers have a lot more um, challenge to go find who's going to be the best each week instead of just kind of picking who's got the best game against the best matchup. They really have to dig into the deeper stats. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I, I hate to keep harping on the Bundesliga game as compared to the MLS game. <laughs> it's a good game. One of the things, one of the things that they I think they do well is. You know, instead of it being like four interceptions where you're scoring a point, 
most of their stats are based around one or two of something occurring before you earn points. And so you, you feel, you know, if somebody only has one of something, you can feel, okay, well, maybe I didn't deserve points. But when you're sitting at like three or six of something before you get a point, it's kind of a bummer because they're, they're not having necessarily a bad game, but, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately you didn't end up getting that extra point. And then, you know, they let in one goal and all they have is, you know, two points for the minutes played. And you just kind of feel like, well, he had a good game, but oh well. Yeah. Right. So final question that I have, Josh, is your league open to the public or how does one get into your league? Our league is not currently open to the public, but we have been talking about um, expansion um, okay. from going to 10 to 12 teams the last couple of years um, through various reasons. We've had um, some turnover the last couple of years. I think we lost two teams in each of the last uh, two seasons. And um, that's not uncommon for a, for a league that has casuals in it to have casuals then say, um, hey, I'm, I'm married now, or hey, I just had a kid and I don't have time to, to still do this. Um, you know, maybe I'm in the process of moving, new job, whatever it is that goes on in our personal lives. So while we're not open to the public, um, we, we've had a short wait list over the years, but it generally hasn't taken too long for someone that really wants to be in it to, to have an opening come to them. And on top of that, like I said, we have mentioned expanding from 10 to 12 or even up to 14 teams. Um, just as MLS continues to add more teams, now we have way more players to pick from. So whereas before, 10 might have been the right number when we had, say, 20 MLS teams. Now that we have 24 or whatever we're up to now, it's hard to keep track. Um, <laughs> and headed towards 28, uh, eventually, you know, 30, wherever we're getting to, has more, you know, and every team is getting their own DPs coming in. Um, you want to keep that waiver wire. You want there to be talent available, but you don't want it to have really any star-studded talent or any real difference makers that someone can just um, keep swapping out star players for star players based on matchups. So you do have to grow along with MLS. That's probably one of our challenges for the future. So, yeah, we are looking to, um, to expand. And if anyone's interested in joining uh, Draft Keeper League, they can certainly uh, hit us up um, on Twitter and we can get you good information and, uh, you know, get you on the list, which is currently at like one or something. So it's a great time. Uh, <laughs> business is booming. After this podcast, maybe. Um, but, yeah, go ahead and reach out on social media. Um, funny story about that is uh, we have a Facebook group that's private with just 10 or 11 members that we've used to kind of organize uh, things, rule announcements and changes and, and such over the years. And every now and then you, I'll get a random person, usually it's from Africa or like, not even from America, that will reach out and ask to join. And it's just because our group is literally called MLS fantasy draft. So they've Googled fantasy or draft or MLS draft. And somehow, you know, um, I don't know if they're looking to try to get into a combine invitation or what, but they stumble upon our league. They have to join. <laughs> and you can pretty much tell, <laughs> you can, you can tell right away that it's spam. And, and, you know, the one time I got an, a request from someone that was actually in America um, with this guy, Zach, and um, I saw it at first. And then, you know, cause it's not something you check frequently. By the time I saw it, it was like five or six months outdated. So I went ahead and accepted that and asked like, hey, like, are you interested or whatever? And he was not a heavy Facebook user. So he went like 16 months without seeing this message. Um, so almost two years have gone by. Once he saw that message, it was, it was like, we needed a team. And it was like a month away from the season. 
and he was like oh my gosh yes i forgot about this like that's perfect and like we we hit it off right away and he he joined the league um i think he was in for three for three seasons nice. um you know great guy and that was just totally random chance like you know he, he just saw it on the internet you know requested to join forgot about it two years later boom he, he's in you know paypal and his league dues in and everything like that um it was it was just so it was so divine uh the way it all happened but you know there's there's no there's no wrong way um to to get into fantasy like blaine was saying earlier he didn't want to be the outsider in the league well sometimes the hardest part is just taking that first step um because the sooner you join the sooner someone else is going to come after you and then you're not the outsider anymore you're not the new guy so <laughs> i can't imagine not being on some sort of social media platform for that long oh that's wild man. Uh, Ian, I know that probably Show League is maybe one of the more accessible systems. I know there are three different tiers. Um, if someone is interested in trying to get involved in that, how is the best way to go about that for someone? Yeah. So Show League is definitely open to the public. Um, the best thing to do right now is just to reach at uh, reach out to MLS Show League on Twitter. The league is run entirely through Twitter. Um, so you do need to have a Twitter account. That's the kind of one barrier to entry. Um, but with that, Sean, who is kind of league administrator, can get you set up. There's no charge or league dues or anything like that for the league, so it's completely free to play. Um, it's just up to you to kind of put the time in to, to playing it. It does have promotion and relegation between the, the three different leagues. I am, like, forever – not going to be able to get to the premier league because like i feel like i always get into like a top five sort of situation into a little playoff and then it just nope nope doesn't happen so it just never works that's all right we're, we're all in the same boat just losing to josh all <laughs> <laughs> very true very true that's how that goes i i was uh one game away from winning the second tier on, on my route to promotion to the premier league and uh, Josh stole it from me between, I think it was Philadelphia and Red Bulls were playing, and I just picked the wrong goalkeeper. Oh. oh. And I didn't have that problem because my, my motto, as you guys know from the last time I was on, is hashtag never Red Bulls. So. <laughs> <laughs> no problems there for you. Uh, Mike and Blaine, any, any final questions before we wrap up? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Ian, for coming out with us tonight. If people are interested in touching base with you guys on Twitter, how can they find you? So I'm on Twitter at R Ian Pritchard. Pretty simple and straightforward. The only difference is my name is spelled I A I N instead of I A N, so it complicates my life. <laughs> uh, but that, that's how you can find me. Yeah, and you can find me um, at Salisbury United, um, or just search Josh Weber, and I'm sure you know I'll be one of the first ten or so. It's bound to happen. <laughs> um, and then before we before we wrap up, um, I know we all play Show League, and I know I'm not here um, representing Show League, but I just want to go ahead and throw out there: if you're if you're a casual in any way, or if you're a diehard super analytic nerd, like Show League is for both sets of those people. It is. True. I don't know if we touched on this when I got disconnected, but. It is, Ian talked about if you put a lot of time into it, you get a lot back. That's true, but you can also put very little time into it and still get just as a rewarding thing because it's just predictions based. I mean, you can ask, and you can be a casual and be, you have just as much luck as I do as predicting what the final score will be of three or four games from the handful of games each weekend. 
Um, and with the roles, they're not mandatory. The roles are mm -hmm. optional. If you mm -hmm. want to get deep in the weeds and find out who's getting all the aerial clearances, who's blocking the most shots on defense, you know, who's getting the most tackles stuck in in midfield, and you want to use those stats to better yourself and your advantage and take the risk that a role comes with, you can. But if you also just want to pick, hey, I'm going to pick the starting striker from each team, and I'm going to pick the best designated player or the best central attacker or, you know, one of the goalies because he's my favorite player, whatever it is, you can do that too. And at the end of the day, your points could be exactly the same. Um, yeah. I do think I do think at some points as the game has evolved, there is a point where the players that know how to weaponize those roles do have an advantage because they can have a way higher ceiling than you will have unless you just luck into somebody getting a hat trick. But for the most part, when you guys are talking about getting promoted and relegated, you can get promoted without using any roles at all. And I know that because Sean let me do a test team in the lowest level league one year where I didn't use um, – I only used, I think, poacher and playmaker were the two roles that I got to use. And I still got promoted out of that league. And that was actually fun to try to put teams together using the vanilla roles, as we call them, and just picking the best players. And um, if, I feel like if I had been a casual, that would have been enough to hook me into wanting to learn more just mm -hmm. by having to use those basic, you know, like I said, picking – picking the goalie for the home team or whatever, just those simple logic principles. And as Ian said, you know, it's, it's free to anyone and it's a great thing to go ahead and build. Um, it's got a good pyramid set up. It's a great community to get into. So anyone out there who's looking for something different besides the MLS fantasy game that we all have come to love and hate at the same time, uh, you should definitely reach out to Sean and, uh, and go ahead and get set up mm -hmm. so that whenever MLS does come back around, you can uh, go ahead and enjoy all the things that has to offer you. Josh, you're making me feel bad. I still haven't got promoted out of Dev League, and I've been tryharding pretty bad. <laughs> what? Just start using playmakers and poachers. Josh, okay. <laughs> Josh getting promoted, I think, just speaks to how good he is as a fantasy player as compared to what the average well, person they do. My, my dad taught me to play fantasy football when I was like nine or 10 years old. I've had my own team since I was 12. So it's, it's just kind of a part of my life at this point. So, uh, yeah, that could be true though. <laughs> uh, Mike, any final comments, plugs or anything? Um, not, not, not really. I mean, the only thing I, I'll, I'll mention about show league, which I don't think we've mentioned particularly is that I really like how it forces you to analyze the game tactically we talked about it a few weeks ago as far as mls about you know mm -hmm. does the knowledge of the formations matter and i said for fantasy mls honestly no it's just about points and likelihood of scoring goals that's absolutely not the case in show league um you really need a better knowledge of how players play tactically how formations can kind of interact as well as a much heavier knowledge of the data um ian did mention like data scraping which is a huge part of if you want to do well in mls show league because you know the stats aren't publicly available you got to go get those in order to see hey which which roles match up with stats so that is something that i really like about show league is that it does force you to analyze the game more tactically and maybe that might be something mls consider more if you wanted to get more complex but that's just something that i think is really cool feature that we hadn't specifically mentioned about show league that i just yeah yeah about. Uh, it's definitely true and one of the things i like about it because i mean with your three predictions you have some roles that are kind of defender based and some that are attacking based and so you were trying to pick those matchups where there's going to be a lot of kind of defensive points it may end one nothing and then you're trying to use your attacking roles in games that are going to be four nothing three nothing anything like that um so you're you're really kind of incentivized to know what the games are going to play out like and that's what makes you do well 
There's even some bonuses if you pick the team or teams that are least selected. That is true. So, so a little, little fun you twist. You want to pick FC Cincinnati on a regular right. basis. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. See? There is a point. <laughs> Blaine, final comments, plugs? Yeah, just um, get involved in some of these communities. I mean, if it's joining um, Fantasy MLS on Reddit or connecting with us on Twitter and just engaging or reaching out to MLS Show League on Twitter or communicate with any of us and we'll get you hooked up with Sean to get in Show League. I mean, Show League's always able to expand. Um, I'm looking for more players in the Dev League to compete against anyway. I mean, you'll get to play me. I'm not getting... I haven't gotten promoted yet. I don't think I'm getting promoted anytime soon. Um, I've been learning a lot, but it's just it's just fun to play, and it's fun to really get to know your community and join those chats. Um, I'll never forget the Show League um, intro questionnaire that I had to do. Um, just a great get-to-know-you <laughs> type of thing, and everybody here has done it. it. It's a blast. It really gets you acquainted with the new guys as they come in, and it really fantasy is all about the community and i have to thank every one of our listeners who's tuned into this one and tunes in through the season like we do this because of the community and um community is the main reason why i'm still playing any form of fantasy in this game i mean i've dabbled in other games fantasy football and my favorite year in fantasy football was playing against people that i knew um and they kind of dissipated and so this is where i'm at right now and it's it's all about community community keeps me involved in these games so if you're listening to us if you love playing fantasy mls great keep it up we love competing against you but try joining one of these communities if you haven't yet like there's Mm. there's so much going on um i'm hoping my my facebook league will be able to expand and add another league or two and get a few more people in there we just need help running it and if you want to help run a league by all means reach out to me i will help you get set up and we'll get you in next season but that, that's a big thing is it's just it's community focused and if you're not part of one of these communities get involved it, it really is can be life-changing it absolutely has for me like i moved to an area where no one was around and now i've got a bunch of you know good friends uh that live in this area we've gone to games together we met up multiple times so it really makes a big difference uh, you guys have said a lot of good things. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I was just going to piggyback on that, um, what Blaine was saying, and, and Ian also, and just say that, you know, we need we need so much to distract us um, right now with all that we're going through. So if anyone out there listening to this and you want to start your own uh, MLS Keeper League, you know, I'd be happy to um, help you, you know, commissioner behind the scenes, get you up off the ground. If you've got nine friends and you want to join a league, send you our bylaws, like whatever it takes to, to make more of these communities um, pop up because that's only going to help the game of soccer grow overall. And I know I've, I have some people out there, I've heard that, you know, there's not a team near them, you know, like Mike down there in Louisiana, you know, he has the Man City connection. He roots for NYCFC. We can understand that, but there's not a local <laughs> team in his backyard. Um, like someone in New Mexico or wherever, where there's not a team that's close to you in that region. But you know, my best friend, and he's been in the show league with us, and he's been in my draft league for several seasons. And, um, you know, he, he traveled around growing up, and he doesn't claim any one team as his own. Um, that's one of his struggles. He's like, oh, who do I root for? But he loves the players, and he loves the league. 
So he will follow and support everybody. Um, and that really has helped him grow closer when he's coming to play fantasy is you can't pick on him because, oh, he's going to want to load up on this team or that team. He's a fan of the league as a whole. He doesn't claim any one team as his own. So, you know, that really helps him in fantasy because he has to learn everyone who's who's the best players, how does this team like to play, this coach, that coach, and, you know, all those types of things that go into it. Um, and that's, that helps to make him a better player because he's just a fan of the league. And I think people in those regions, you know, it's okay to just be a fan of soccer in America as a whole. Where you live now, you might not have a local team, but, you know, five or ten years you might, and you can then support them. But in the meantime, it's still okay to um, get hooked on the league because they signed one of your favorite players and then just – um, you know, follow that guy's career until he leaves the league and you can support that team and you can jump around. You don't have to just be tied to one team forever. Um, it's okay to just support the growth of this sport in this country as it continues to uh, get bigger and bigger over time. There you go. All right, you guys have said a lot of excellent things, and so there's not really much left for me to say, uh, except thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. I hope you've enjoyed some of these uh, little different fun episodes that we've been putting together. Next week, the plan is to talk about the best MLS team of all time. Uh, asterisk there, maybe not of all time. We'll do it of the modern MLS fantasy era, so with our more more modern score set scoring system uh the best fantasy team uh, of all time since uh 2002 ish i guess or a little bit later 2012 ish i guess is what we're going for here uh but we'll have a that's going to be our next show if you have any other ideas of what you'd like to hear us talk about please send them to me on twitter either adam ls fantasy boss or adam lsfi either those on twitter or hit me up on reddit or send me an email uh we want to have content out there that you guys like and want to listen to and just help distract from all the craziness so uh thank you so much everyone for listening thank you guys for coming out here and sharing your systems and talking about something that uh, we we tend to glance over every now and then during conversations but don't often get into so thank you so much again and good luck <laughs>